Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. I'm Bobby Howe. And I'm Alex Gehring. Bobby. Alex. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing fine. I, I have like a slight change in scenery. I yeah. haven't had an office like within my office building for the last two months. I'm finally like settled in with like a real computer and like a, a like a spot for my microphone. It's you know what I noticed? What? You have a window now. You're not in a closet. That's true. Yeah, it, the window is very bright. So I had to close the blinds. But yeah, I've got lots of windows. Oh, more than just what I can see. More than just what you can see. So Ooh. many windows. Awesome. What's been going on? Well, I got back from uh, Inman Connect a couple Ooh. weeks ago, which was a super good time. Uh, Kip and I went to that, and uh, I have to say it was one of the best conferences that uh, I've attended. Yeah. Um, it was fantastic information and a lot of uh, high-energy speakers, and nobody was afraid to uh, say what they were thinking, um, which I, I always appreciate. A lot of times we go to conferences and people are – uh, walking on eggshells, afraid that they're going to offend somebody. And uh, it's it's really, sorry, NAR, but I'm calling you out on that. Um, and <laughs> But it's it true. was really refreshing to yeah. hear like actual perspective instead of uh, canned responses that that meet an agenda. So it was it was awesome. Had a, yeah. had a lot of fun. I've been to numerous Inman's over the years. They're one of my favorites. And even even just the lobby con portion of it, like if you don't want to spend a thousand dollars to buy a ticket, because it is one of the more expensive conferences to go to. But if you just want to go and hang out in the hotel lobby and just talk to the attendees, you get a lot of stuff from Inman that way, because it just, it's a different caliber of people in the industry who attend. I'm not just saying just realtors, it's industry. It, it attracts a lot more people from the industry as a whole, as opposed right. to just realtors focused on just what's happening in their market. It's people focused on everything and all the different aspects of it. And even the, I, and normally I'm one of those people who like vendor booths or like, mm -hmm. I actually enjoy the vendor booths at Inman because it's a, usually a different group of people and they usually have really good information. A lot of takeaways from that. Well, I intend to attend. Uh, you intend to attend? I intend to attend uh, from this point forward. It, it's so strong. Um, yeah. I, I was really impressed and, you know, I'm a, I've always read Inman and I'm a, you know, uh, I've got a love hate relationship with uh, a lot of Brad. their coverage. Um, but you know what, it makes it makes for entertaining content mm -hmm. and certainly great discussions. So, uh, yeah. had a ball. What have you been up to? And I will say this to what you just said, Brad does get a lot of hate, but Brad is also always willing to push the envelope and to push Absolutely. things a little bit more. And sometimes he gets it wrong and sometimes he goes a little too far, but he's putting himself out there and he's doing stuff. So he is. Yeah, that's yep. Gotta I like Brad. That. Brad's Brad's a friend of mine. So um, so what have I been doing? I just got back from vacation and um I'm exhausted. Like I forgot, and you just talked about on your vacation to San Diego, like how exhausted. I forgot how exhausted vacations are. We did a road trip. Yeah. Um, we did a tour of Ohio, essentially. We Aww. stayed in Columbus the first night. The next day we got up, we went to a town called Mansfield. They've got a big uh, prison there, the Ohio State Reformatory, which is where they filmed Shawshank Redemption. And you could walk up and down all the, see all the cells. And it's like a really rundown old prison. That was really cool. Then we went to, uh, after that, we left there. We went to Canton, Ohio 
Pro Football Hall of Fame. The enshrinement was going on like literally while we were right there, like they're on the field and we're in the building next door to it. The yeah. enshrinement was putting all the new people in the Hall of Fame. We saw Bruce Smith outside. It was kind of a cool, fun experience. Did then you we went see in- our local uh, realtor, Janelle Carbajo? I did see her in the Hall of Fame because they do have the Sports Hall of Fame. They did yeah. have her in there. Um, so cool. Shout out very- to Janelle. Yes, very, very cool. We also took a look at a Hall of Fame uh, from King City, Missouri. Roger Worley um, was a player back in the day, and he is in the Hall of Fame, the 2009 class. So we got to see his bust. Um, And then we went into Cleveland. We had fun in Cleveland. We went to Sandusky, and we did three days at an amusement park in Sandusky. Then we went to Chicago for the last part of Leadership Summit at NAR. Elizabeth Mendenhall and I did a really cool uh, experiment with the YPNers. So an experiment on the YPNers? What, how did you experiment on them? Well, well, we didn't experiment with them. We didn't experiment on them. There's a very big difference between right. those two sentences. You, you we did an experiment. experiment on them. So uh, back when I was in high school, Missouri Realtors used to put on a program called Missouri Business Week. And it was a uh, camp for high school students in Missouri. 200 students attended every year. And I went and everybody got divided up into companies and the companies, there was half the companies were t-shirt companies, half the companies were hat companies, and you had to design, uh, design a product. And then there was a computer program that you had to decide price, quality, all that kind of junk and things like that. But then there were presenters that did things. One of the presentations was something called the Great Tinker Toy Experiment put on by the great Richard Mendenhall, Elizabeth Mendenhall's dad, 2001 NAR president. Um, and this would have been back like 95, 96. So before he even was an NAR president and you go in and your company gets, a, uh, you had a company leader this entire time. And all of a sudden you get a new company leader assigned to you. And you've got this list of like 20 things that you have to build with back in the day, it was Tinker Toys. Then it became Lincoln Logs. And then we used skill sticks, like little popsicle looking stick things. And you have to build things based on the list. And once you have it built, you got to yell, buyer, buyer, buyer. And there's like for 20 teams, there's like four buyers. Kind of like the opposite of the market that we're in right now, okay. where we've got one seller and a bunch of buyers. But anyways, they come and you get a buyer and you sell your product. Once you sell your product, then you move on and build the next one. And it's a competition to see who can build the most things and or make the most money. Except when you come back the next day to see the results. What you discover is that it wasn't about selling the most product. It was actually a lesson in leadership styles because when your leader moved and you got a different leader, they were playing one of four specific leadership style roles. And I came back the next year was a student intern and got to like help out with it. And then I came back as a company advisor a few years and I got to play the roles. One of my favorite roles to play was the laissez-faire. So you come to the table, you introduce yourself, I'm your new leader. You get the instructions and basically you just walk away and let your kids try to figure it out on their own of like, how are we going to build things? What are we going to do? And then there's the democratic style that makes everybody vote on everything. So they're raising their hands. They have to, you know, like how many popsicle sticks should we use in this one? Should we build it this way or that way? And it drives people crazy. Yeah. Or you have the authoritarian where everything has to be absolutely perfect. And when they build it up and you don't like it, you just knock it off the table and say, do it again. Or you have the consultative type leadership, which is usually the best, and everybody works together and all of that. And what we've discovered over the years is from pulling all the results, consultative usually sells the most product for the highest amount of money 
blah blah. blah. But it was a it's followed, a lesson followed in next by by which, huh? Followed next by laissez faire. Yes. Uh, no. Usually, um, yeah, laissez faire. If they have a good like this particular when we did it with the YPN group, the one of the ones that was a laissez faire. They had a really good leader in the group. So once yeah. laissez faire took over, this other leader stood up and sense, she yeah. actually sold the most of anybody. But Tiffany was Tiffany out of Orlando. She's an up and coming YPNer. She is amazing, but she just took over her entire team and they did great. But if you don't have someone like that, then laissez faire can come in last because there's no one motivating them, keeping them work towards the goal. So how did our KC people do? Our KC YPNers. So Brandon, Brandon was Brickle there. was there. Yeah. I like Brandon. Brandon took the YPN pledge while he was there. The 10,000 over the next 10 years. Very proud of Brandon. Yeah. Um, and Brandon did really good. So what's the YPN pledge? What is that? So the YPN pledge is that you'll invest $10,000 in our pack over the next 10 years. So Brandon, sure you've taken the like, pledge. What's that? You didn't take the pledge? I was never a YPNer. That's never been my thing. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I just like, I don't even know you. Who are you? <laughs> but I, I will easily invest $10,000 in, in, in 10 years. So, and since we started it, we started it 2010. So I think we're 12 years in and we've raised three over $3 million just from YPNers from making the wow. 10 for 10 pledge. So that's awesome. huge, huge for our pack NAR and all of those things. So very good. Cool. Yep. Guess All what? right. Well, I know Brandon's doing great things with YPN and yep. YPN in Kansas City is is killing it. So it's exciting. All right. So what are we what are we talking about today? It's an important Safe. issue. It is because it's September and September is safety month. And so we're going to bring on Tracy, the safety lady Hawkins. Again, she's a past guest of the program. And we're going to talk some more safety tips from Tracy because we can never be too safe. Always love hearing from Tracy. So um, that's that's exciting. Um, all right. Do you have a book bit for us? You know I do. Of course you do. Do, 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 Bobby's book bit. Casey, rare. That was, a, that was a excellent. I'm, I'm rare and ready to go today, apparently. Um, and I'm gonna... and ready to go? Wow. Look rare. at you. I know, right? Um, I'm just faking it till I make it at this point today. That's where I'm at. All right. So I decided this is actually a book I started reading a few years ago and then hadn't finished. And so then I finished it. Um, no, I'm going to nerd out on you guys for a moment. So I've chosen, uh, a Neil deGrasse Tyson book, which is astrophysics for people in a hurry. Cause you never know when you're going to need to learn about astrophysics. Um, but the book is really, if you want to learn a lot about space in a short period of time, it's a really good book because he takes these really complex ideas such as astrophysics and they break it down into layman's terms to make it really easy to understand. Plus just Neil's like the best scientist, like of all times, like he's a cool scientist. He's not a nerd scientist, but he is a nerd. Um, and the book is like a one-on-one -on -one session with your favorite teacher that you just could always just talk nerd stuff with. So the first lesson in the book is that modern science has discovered plenty of facts about the universe, but there is still a lot that we don't know. Uh, we know that there's a lot of dark matter that has yet to be discovered as only one sixth of the mass in the universe is made of galaxies and glass gas clouds. And scientists still don't know even how to detect the rest of the matter because we don't have the right kind of devices to even be able to detect new masses and types of energies and things like that. Um, the second lesson in the book 
is that helium was discovered before it was found on Earth. And that discovery reveals interesting insights such as celestial matters operate under similar laws to those we have here on Earth. Um, Newton found that out too when he discovered the laws of gravity. Gravity is a universal law of nature, which means it applies to outer space just as much as it applies here on Earth. And it, the book goes on to talk about what if there are other things we have in common, such as life, and um, China has built the largest uh, telescope, largest radio telescope to see if there is intelligent life or aliens out there somewhere else. And then the third lesson of the book is the universe expanded or the universe started as a tiny, extremely hot little bitty dot. And then it cooled off and expanded, essentially Big Bang Theory. Um, but that everything we know today came to life. The energy, the matter that makes up the universe, galaxies, planets, stars, everything in between was concentrated in a tiny little dot. The dot exploded, started to cool off rapidly, giving way for a celestial matter to form. And then when everything started to cool off and make room for the matter to grow bigger and stronger, antimatter, and then he gets into antimatter a little bit. I'm not going to waste our time talking about antimatter, but antimatter is really cool, by the way. Just going to nerd out on you. It's fine. Um, but when the temperature, when the right temperature came by and there was enough matter left, electrons captured protons and atoms formed. Billions of years later, stars exploded in outer space, spreading carbon and attributing to the inception of Earth. Um, the book really is just a fascinating piece of writing about the most captivating uh, facts of science, life, and really the beginning of the universe. So Astrophysics for People in a Hurry by Neil deGrasse Tyson. Good book bit and weirdly relevant to one of the speakers that we had at Inman Connect. Really? Yeah. So there was a uh, an astrophysicist that uh, came up and it was one of the shorter sessions. Mm -hmm. It was like a 15 to 20 minute session. And one of the things that he had talked about, we, you know, we were very focused on uh, becoming more green and, um, you know, pollution in our oceans and, and just general pollution. And one of, I mean, he was very focused on space junk and the number of things that we have floating around our atmosphere that range in size from a cell phone to a school bus. Ooh. And they aren't doing anything. They aren't satellites. That, well, I mean, they are technically, but they, technically, but they, aren't, yeah. but they aren't the uh, they, they aren't giving us any data. Um, and basically, one of the things he had mentioned was if this keeps on happening, you know, we all talk about we, we all envision like this future of us, you know, commercial space and all of this other stuff. Well, if we have too much space junk and we have to go the speed that we need to go in order to exit the atmosphere and everything else, mm -hmm. it might be a little bit tricky because you might die. Yeah. If you get if you hit a piece of space junk on your way up. And if we if thing, there's already like 55,000 pieces of space junk floating around our atmosphere and it it's growing every single day. And so it was a really interesting uh uh, speaker. I, I thought it was really fascinating. I was trying to find his name and I couldn't find it, but um, it is. I yeah, like it, that. It was really interesting. And that, I know we need to bring on Tracy, but that reminds me of the movie Wally, -E, where they've all gone yeah. on to live in space, but everything's just piled with trash and they can't get anywhere and do anything. Essentially, civilization stopping because the trash everywhere. And weirdly, there was no space junk. So it was one thing yeah. they missed. You didn't have space junk in the atmosphere. 
Right. That was the one thing that that meant. Otherwise, it's basically idiocracy. Like, it's so perfect yeah. <laughs> of, of where we might be heading. But then there's no space junk. So we were able right. to leave. Yeah. You know, things keep on going. We won't even be Wally. We won't even be Wally. I love Wally. Wally. He's one of my favorites. Wally, Wally and Groot are my two favorite. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Those, are my, those are my Wally and Eva impressions. I like it. It's good. I have a Wally uh, Christmas ornament on my tree because I like him. That's cool. Should we go get Tracy? We probably should stop talking about astrophysicists in space and Tracy. talk real estate. I don't know. <laughs> Let's go get her. Let's get her. Welcome back to Kansas City Real Talk, brought to you by KCRAR. Bobby and I are here with Tracy, the safety lady, Hawkins. Tracy, welcome back to the show. Hey, guys. It's great to be back. It is so um, great to have you. For those of our uh, listeners that did not listen to the last time you're on, give us a little bit of your background. Um, you can even mention your sister if you'd like or not. You can just pretend, forget she even Ooh. exists. I don't care either way. Uh, but just <laughs> give us a little bit of your background and how you became known as the safety lady. Okay. Um, my sister, I have a twin sister, Stacy, and everyone thinks I'm her. So there, there are two of us. Anyway, she and I got our real estate licenses together. I want to say 34, 35 years ago, and she is still an agent. After a few years, I decided this is not what I want to do. So I started a safety business. So I started selling safety and security items here in Kansas City um, to retail stores. And then I opened a store in a mall and I compared that to prison, but it was very, very helpful. Um, if you don't have good staff, good people there, you're there from morning to night. So anyway, it was great experience, but I realized I needed to get out. So I started speaking at real estate companies here in Kansas City, started doing work for the association. And then next thing you know, I was national. So I started traveling and sharing my message. Very good. And you've had lots of media appearances as well. I, I remember you've done things. You've been on Fox News, I believe, and CNN yes, a couple of times. That's well, Fox, Fox locally um, um, to today show, CNNnews.com, ABCnews.com, Boston Globe, Washington Post. I was going to so say, I didn't think I was making that up. You, you didn't make it completely up. I'm sorry, Alex. You were, you were right. But um, yes, and any opportunity to share my message and when they're looking for safety a real estate safety expert i'm so very happy that they come to me well we thought it was timely since uh, since september is realtor safety month um and so uh it's great timing so so thanks for being with us um so since the last time uh, maybe maybe you don't have these numbers off the top of your head but i'm curious since the last time you were on which was a little over a year ago now um what have there been more instances of realtors uh, who have been in danger? I mean, the obvious answer is yes, but but can you speak to that just a little bit? Sure. Now, keep in mind that no one tracks the crimes against real estate agents within the industry. What we do have is we have um, U.S. Bureau um, numbers, the labor, U.S. Department of Labor numbers, and no one really tracks it. And here's what I'm going to say. It's underreported anyway. No matter what you say, out of 1.5 million members of the National Association of Realtors, and then another 1.5 um, real estate professionals, so that's a total of 3 million real estate professionals out there, we don't know the numbers. But what okay. I can tell you is that the crimes against agents are still there. Someone asked if they are uh, more prevalent now since we hear about them more. I'm going to say the answer is no, but we, because of social media and everyone's talking, we know more about it, which is a great opportunity to learn from them. 
the most recent crime against an agent was last month. And I, I don't know if you all heard about it, but it was a real estate agent in Las Vegas. She was assaulted. But the most, most important thing is she survived. Before that, I always study the real estate uh, crimes. I was selected last year to speak at NAR, Lessons Learned from Crimes Against Real Estate Agents. And it's because real estate agents can relate to the crimes if they know their peers are actually um, going through these things. Because right now, no one's really talking about it until the Vegas situation, because it hasn't made the news. But here's the interesting thing. The most recent crimes against agents within the past couple of years have been male agents. Before this Las Vegas agent, it was um, it has been male agents who've been murdered, um, who have been assaulted, who have had their cars stolen. So it's still happening, but for whatever reason, that dangerous trend, um, male agents need to be alert and aware. So Tracy, before I, I have a couple other questions before I get into that. Whenever we think safety in real estate, we typically think what you just talked about, people being attacked on showings, but we all know that safety encompasses so much more than that. So what are some other kinds of safety that you teach and help people with? And what are other ways that we need to think about being safe other than just being attacked in a property? Excellent, excellent question. Um, safety culture starts at the top. And we don't also often hear the culture conversation in the real estate world, but it starts at the top. Um, when I'm talking to brokers and managers and I have a program where I'm teaching them how to get safe practices in place um, to help reduce their liability and just to increase morale, I'm telling them if safety is important to you in the workplace, it's important to everyone who works there. So psychological safety is the new buzzword, but that's another way that safety um, shows itself. And that means a culture of safety. So everyone within a real estate company needs to feel comfortable going to leadership saying, I have a concern, I have a problem. And this is where leadership gets to say safety is important. Um, I talk about team safety. I'm going to be speaking about that at NAR this year. You have to have a safety committee. Every real estate office needs a safety committee. And um, that means someone who it, it needs to be a member of management, an agent, as well as um, a staff member, at least, at least those three people. And safety is important. That means during sales meetings, someone's bringing up here's a safety tip of the week, or here's a safety story, something that happened to an agent. That means that in every newsletter, every outgoing communication, there is a safety tip, a safety reminder. Safety is always top of mind. So anyone who works for that real estate company knows that safety, it, it's a mindset. It's a mindset. So safe mindsets are important, Bobby. Well, I think that's an important, important thing to talk about is the mindset in general, because that's what we all miss. We all go out and we do. One of my favorite lines from you when you come out to offices and when you've been on the podcast is that, you know, when you really look at the job description, we're all a little bit insane for, for doing what we do. We advertise that we're meeting people, uh, meeting strangers in empty homes. You know, we're going to be, we tell them where we're going to be, when we're going to be there and that we're alone. And, you know, it, it really is, it, it really is kind of crazy. Well, so how much has, has realtor safety um, changed in the last couple of years, you know, with COVID and everything else, it, do we feel like uh, people can utilize video communication and everything like that more in order to eliminate safety risks? Excellent point, Alex. All of us were forced to become virtual in order to stay sane, in order to stay in business. I know I did. 
And some states across the country did not have any restrictions, no lockdowns at all, but some required the lockdown. So the only way agents could work was virtually. So everyone was pretty much forced to, you know, use their cameras, learn how to do Zoom, the Google Duo or FaceTime. So I, I would say in the olden days, we tell agents to have that first meeting, CITO, come into the office. One thing that I know, it went in one ear and out the other ear because agents are not going to be bothered with that. You know, I've got an appointment. I'm going to meet that person. And if I don't go, someone else will. So what we've learned during the pandemic is that you can survive and you can even thrive on a virtual basis. So now I get to say, have a virtual first meeting and no one can say, uh, we don't know how to do that, right? Everyone knows how to do it now. And then when we talk lessons learned, um, there was a real estate uh, crime committed in California. That was about a couple of years ago. These last two years blend together. Two real estate agents and a home inspector showed up at a property where two siblings were in a dispute about whether or not they wanted to sell the house. The sibling who didn't want to sell had a gun when the team showed up and he shot all of them. The two agents were wounded, but the home inspector died. This is where the lesson learned is, if, and we never blame the victim, but the lesson learned is during that first meeting, you get to get gauged the temperature, um, the disposition of who you're going to meet. At that point, you can detect if there's going to be some kind of hostility that you need to prepare for, or if everything's um, fine, you can see how motivated they are. So use it as a business development tool, as well as a safety tool, so that you can go to each situation prepared for whatever you may meet. You get a gauge right up front and also use it for productivity. So when the market was super hot, you know, the competition for the properties was, um, it was, crazy, right? So here's what I told agents to do. When you're having that first meeting, sh share your screen and now show them some of the properties that fit their criteria right there on the screen. How quick and easy can they rule them out just like that? You don't have to get in the car, spend a lot of gas money or time showing them properties that don't fit. Plus, this is a better way to be more productive, use your time more wisely. So for every safety tip, I try to make, their, um, make it a production tip too, because that's what agents really listen to. You know, some of the best agents in the marketplace while we were in that really hot market, I know that a large number of them were using materials showing how busy showings were. You know, we've got 40 people going through a home or more at one time. I mean, how unsafe is that? What kind of risk are we really putting our sellers in, in at that point? You know, take the pandemic out of it just at a sheer uh, you know, you should be worried having that many people walking through your house that you don't know, you know, you got kids or anything else. It, it's a risk. Um, and I know that there were a lot of people that were uh, putting material about that in their listing presentation, which is something I know you've been a big uh, proponent of all along is including safety information for your sellers when discussing listings. You want to talk a little bit about that? Sure. I teach agents to lead with safety. That's kind of my theme. So every conversation should have some kind of safety in it, um, whether it's, hey, our, our team or our work practices require an initial meeting for your safety as well as mine. When, it, when it's time for a listing appointment, I tell agents that this is where you stand out. The sellers have probably already inter interviewed, what, two or three other agents before you, right? Here's how you stand out. When you walk in the door, you're walking in and you're not talking about CMAs. You're not talking about net profits or marketing. You are talking about ways to keep their house safe while it's on the market. 
you will have this checklist, this home security uh, seller's checklist that I've created for you. It's a PDF. So you're walking through and you're talking about getting all of these pictures off the wall and out of sight, depersonalize your home. Now, in the past, you would tell um, sellers to do that and it would go again in one ear and out the other ear because they're still living there and they want to feel like they're at home. Now you're telling them that there is a safety component. You cannot control who walks through their house. They should not see pictures of their kids, their families, their um, sports schedules and their certificates where, um, where they worship, where they go to church or where they worship. So you tell them to depersonalize the house. So that's number one. You're telling them to get rid of those um, pieces of paper, those stacks of envelopes, which could have medical information, financial information, again, I don't know who's walking through your house and I don't want them to steal your identity and we need all of that out of sight. Of course, there's an aesthetic benefit. Um, you're talking to them about getting weapons out of sight. Um, firearms should be under lock and key, if not completely off site. Um, valuables, those, uh, everyone has all of these electronic devices that they just leave, just laying around the house, out of sight. So jewelry, out of, jewelry boxes, medicine out of medicine cabinets. So here's the safety agent who is talking to sellers about one of their biggest fears, like you said, having complete strangers walk through their house. So you're telling them how to remove some of the danger, how to keep their family safe. So Tracy, do you have any suggestions for how we keep our buyers safe? Our buyers don't, we're not walking through our buyer's house. They don't have just information laying around, yet there can sometimes be safety concerns for buyers. So do you have some suggestions for how we share our safety concerns with our buyers? Here's the thing, and you all know this, <clears throat> when buyers are looking to buy, they want a home in a nice, safe neighborhood. Everybody wants to live in a safe neighborhood. You also know that if they ask the question, hey, agent, is this a safe neighborhood? What's a crime like? Is this good for my family? You cannot answer that question. So here's how you help your buyers. You become a resource for them. You point buyers in the direction where they can get that information on their own. So you're telling them to go to the local police department, talk to the crime prevention officer, um, get the crime, not only crime statistics, but the information on the crime that's actually occurring. You are giving them a resource like Spot crime.com. And this is one that I subscribe to as well. So you're telling them to plug in the address of any home that they're interested in, and then they uh, can take a look at the actual crimes, the dates, the type of crimes, the time that the crimes are occurring, so that they have that information and they can make a decision whether or not the neighborhood meets their criteria. And that way, if they move in and something is going on, you've done your job, you've educated them, you've given them the resources, and you put that in their hands. You're absolutely right on that. And I love being able to give them the resources that they then have available at their hands. Now, we mentioned before you got on, and the reason we always have you on in September is September is Realtor Safety Month. And we always know we should be safer all year round, but we seem to focus on it just in September, which NAR Safety Committee is working to overcome that so that we're talking about it on a more regular basis. And I'm so happy that NAR put that together. But what are some very uh, simple, I'm making up words now, Tracy, it's fine. What are some simple and sustainable safety practices that we can easily add to our daily routines? First and foremost, this is where the safety culture starts. If it's part of your everyday routine, it's going to be there no matter what. And when you deviate from a, um, whatever a routine is, that's usually when you have trouble. So this is where leadership needs to impress upon their team that it's important first and foremost to get safety training. Um, everyone shows up for their social media marketing and how to create the video classes, but people really show up for the safety classes. So that's why I've had to try to add a little sizzle to them and help them build business with it. But number one is new agents are always complaining about we don't know what to do. 
We don't know where to start. What do we do? And I'm on social media. I see them asking the questions. So that's why my new agent orientation um, focus is key. And no one's really talking to them about safety. So it's like, here I am. So start at the beginning. Even if you're a veteran agent, get those practices in place. Always, always start with the number one tool that we all possess already, your gut. Instinct, intuition, sixth sense, spidey sense, flight or flight, whatever you want to call it. Everyone needs to hear out loud that that's your number one tool. And if you ever hear that voice, you need to listen to it. If you get that funny feeling in the pit of your stomach, the hairs are standing up on your arms, on the back of your neck, your, your heart's beating fast, your body is doing its job and your, your gut's sole job is to keep you safe. And so often we ignore it. And I'm telling you, I talked to the agents who said I had a weird feeling, but I blew it off. Don't blow it off. So that's number one. Number two is rely on your training. Before you meet anyone, there needs to be a meeting. If it's a new client, you need to know who you're meeting. I hear people saying the virtual meeting and that that's the ideal, the most safest situation, but that's not going to work for everyone. Um, meeting at a coffee shop is okay, but it's not the answer. If you meet at a busy coffee shop, the barista, whoever's there, they don't know you. So you're not accomplishing anything. The point of the first meeting is to increase witness potential. If someone's going to victimize you, if they're going to be witnesses, they know it's going to be harder to get away. So that's why a first meeting is ideal. Virtually, they know their pictures on the screen. If you're in a coffee shop, they don't, no one knows you, no one's paying attention. So that's why I say it needs to be somewhere where you are known. If it's your neighborhood coffee shop where they know you by name, that way, if something happens, they can say for sure, yes, I saw that agent and this is who they were with because they paid attention. Um, what about offices? If your office is out of the way for of your showing or if you work for a virtual company, then you can meet at one of your affiliate partner's office. I guarantee you, your mortgage company, um, your title company, insurance company, they will allow agents to use their conference room for that first meeting if it's convenient. And um, I remember talking to an agent one time and she said she was going to be meeting a couple and they had the houses all set up. And then she started thinking about it. It's like, whoa, I don't really know them. So she called and she said, hey, instead, can you come into my office? And then the guy, he said, why? That doesn't make sense. She said, if, let's get some paperwork done and we can talk a little bit. He says, we have to drive past the house to get your, to your office. That's crazy. Doesn't make sense. What is this about? He said, look, I don't know you from Adam and I need to know who I'm working with. If I were your mother, your sister, your daughter, um, wouldn't you want them to do the same thing? His next question is what time do we need to be at your office? So definitely um, utilize that and again, use it as a way to be more productive. Go over the properties before having to pay $20 a gallon in gas driving all over the city, right? So it's a way to um, be productive too. And one thing that no one ever talks about, Bobby, is auto safety. Agents are in their cars. You have to have a car to work pretty much. No one's talking to agents about making sure their cars are safe and that means they're um, well kept that you have um, a roadside service hopefully and that the tires are properly inflated and that you pay attention to those um, indicators if it's warning you so car safety is a, a new focus of mine and hopefully I'll get to do a program here in Kansas City in October about car safety for National Car Care Month but um, definitely that your second office should be safe as well.
Tracy, you've always been such a, a strong advocate for real estate agents and, and for their safety. And I know that we all really, really appreciate it. If you, if somebody is a listener and is looking for ways to get a hold of you or is interested in having you come uh, to their sales meeting or something like that, what would be the best way for them to get more information from you and, and ask you for that? They can find me um, on all social media, either under Tracy, the safety lady or safety and security source. So I, I'm out there. I'm easy to be to be found. Good. Well, I agree. You are easy to be found. It's, there's always Tracy. Every, even like in the Facebook groups, like the national groups, every once in a while I'll see a comment. I'm like, oh, there's Tracy. You know, like, well, <laughs> comes full circle in all of them. Now, Tracy, you mentioned that you are going to be speaking at NAR's convention in November, and I believe you're running two sessions. What can our members expect to hear from you in those classes and what kind of content you got? Like a little spoiler alert. Okay, one of them, um, I'm on the same day back to back. I don't know what they were thinking. One of them, I'm talking about team safety. That's where I get to tell teams how to make sure they have safe practices in place, um, implementing the suggestions and ideas for specifically for their teams, the resources that they have. And then the other one is going to be technology. I get a chance to talk about AR, VR, um, technology in the real estate world. And in our leadership class, that's what my team did. We talked about um, virtual reality and it's fascinating. And it's the way that the industry is moving, whether you want to or not, you may as well learn about it. And I always put the safety spin on it. So I'm going to be talking about why working in an AR and VR environment is more um, is safer for everyone. And again, it's going to happen. So you may as well go into it from the ground floor. And I'm also going to talk about social media. I'm not talking about the same social social media everyone else is talking about. But again, my theme is lead with safety. So I'm going to be talking about why real estate agents need to be on next door. The next door, and I, I am addicted to next door. And not only does it help me know where I, my neighborhood, how my neighborhood is doing crime statistics or what's going on in the neighborhood and conversation, but I am telling agents to use that to form your areas to form the neighborhoods that you want to be a part of. And I'm teaching them how to jump in on the conversations. You don't go in selling, but you're the real estate agent and you're talking, you're seeing what crimes are going on and you're looking at what's going on in your form area. So I think Nextdoor is an underutilized resource. I'm also going to talk about Google, how Google shared calendars are a great safety tool and Google Maps. Google Maps allows you to share your location with whoever your contact, your emergency contact is or whoever, and then you can limit how often they can see, um, limit the time that they can see what you're doing, but you never ever have to be alone. So you can utilize um, tools that are out there. So I'm talking technology and things along those lines that no one else is talking about. And, and I'll say really quick on the, the, the Google to share your location thing. It's something that I've noticed like the kids and the kids because this is showing this is showing my age right now what I'm about to say Alex it's fine but kids in their upper 20s lower 30s I'm seeing a lot of them share like their location with multiple friends and at first I was like why are you sharing your location and sometimes they have turned off if they're going somewhere they don't want their friends to know I think that's a little hilarious to me but whatever but then recently I started sharing my location with my husband and I was like so that I go on runs a lot and it's like I used to always say I'm going to run this route I'm going to run that route or even when I'm in a city you know I travel a lot I actually feel more comfortable knowing there is a human being out there that knows exactly where I am at all times. I'm getting ready to do a 200 mile relay race. And I just thought earlier today, like everybody on the team needs to show their location so we can find each other easier. We fought this last year, but it's a really underutilized, underutilized tool that we have. 
That's why I'm talking about it. And also Street View. Remember when Google was going around with those calendar, those cameras on their cars and we're thinking that's invasive? Stop it. Let's say for some reason an agent or you on your run, if you don't check in and they, they can see you in real time where you are, but they can also get a, a view of where you are. They can see if you're at a house or where what exactly the location is. That is so underutilized. And that's why in all of my classes, I'm talking about why they need, a, need to utilize it. And you can limit how often they see you or when they can see you and um, or leave it on 24 seven, 365 days. Well, Bobby and I will both be there. So I know that we'll make sure to, to come and check you out. Oh, yay. And don't forget Stacy too. She'll be doing three classes. So I think one of we're overlapping on one, but the other ones I'll be there for her. She'll be there. So yeah, we're, we're happy to both be there. I love it. KCRR representing at NAR. It's awesome. Um, I believe you have a latte and learn coming up with KCRR. When is it? And what are you talking about? September the 16th, that's a Friday, come to KCRAR offices and you get a kind of sneak peek of what I'm going to be talking about at the NAR conference. We're going to talk about safety for your business. We're going to talk about ways to use safety to build your business. I'm telling you how to put money in your pocket. We're talking technology, social media, websites, everything, AR, VR, anything and everything that you need to run your business in a safe manner. We're going to get it all in in 90 minutes. Woo! Tracy, we're coming towards the end of our time. We always want to be respectful of your time. But my last question is the same as it was the last time you were here. What else? What else have we not talked about? What else should we be talking about? Mm. One thing that I've started implementing in my classes would be de-escalation situations, um, especially looking at the crimes against agents and never blaming the agent, but thinking how could that have been different? What could we have done? What could an agent in that situation do differently? So I'm doing the role play the discussion, during the discussion of my classes. I want agents to start thinking about it. Don't try to think on your feet. I'm going to give you the scenarios. We're going to talk about the, the crimes against agents. And then I'm going to give you a chance to think on your feet. How can you de-escalate that so that that way you're prepared and it's always a tape running in the back of your mind. I'm all about proactive um, training. I love it, Tracy. Thank you for your time today. We really appreciate you may taking time out of your schedule to come talk with us. Um, Alex, like I said, he'll be there. I'll be there in uh, Orlando in November. We'll come say hi to you. Will we come say hi to Stacy? And it's really funny. You brought up Stacy. Well, that's no, not funny because it's your sister. But before you came on, we were talking about Missouri Business Week back in the day. And that's how I know your sister, Stacy, is she used to do Missouri Business Week with me. So we came full circle in this episode, Alex. Look at us. Wow. Family here. Yeah. And we she's are. all over the place with NAR, as you know. Um, yep. And then final thing, everybody, I am a resource for safety content. You know, I write for Realtor Magazine, um, RIS Media. And as a matter of fact, I won um, RIS Media Newsmaker. So I'll be in DC for that next month. But Yay. I'm a resource. So I want agents to know, come to me if you need content for your sellers, for your consumers and brokers, managers. If you need content for your agents, I am a writer. I am a content creator. Let me help you. I love it. Thank Thanks. you so much for your time, Tracy, the safety lady. We loved having you on as always. Okay, thanks, guys. Everybody be safe.